0: Trust you all going well? All had a great week. All loving the weather. Amen, brother. It's so good. Um, I guess hearing some of my sermons, you realise I'm a bit of a TV watcher. But I remember I saw a TV program. It was it's it was a few years back now, so it's quite an old program. But um, it was on one of those historian channels on SBS, and um, it was about a Byzantine church. And this church was uh, going under a severe restoration because it was heritage listed and um, everything like that. And I remember one of the fascinating parts of this restoration was to do with paintings of Jesus that was on the church wall. You see, when the restoration first began, there was a painting on the wall of Jesus, and it was pretty typical of what you'd see around churches today today. He looked fairly blonde or mousy brown hair. He had blue eyes and he was very much a European man. However, as the restoration began and they began to strip away the layers of paint, they found that underneath each layer of paint was another older painting of Jesus. And underneath that was another even older and so on. The on-site historian believed that the last painting they discovered, which would have been the first one painted, probably dated back to the earliest days of the building around 600 AD. Now, you may be thinking, big deal. But for me, this was a very interesting thing. And this was one of the reasons why the program got made. As each of the older paintings of Jesus were uncovered, each time his appearance also changed. He went from a blonde-haired man, very European and white, to the final picture where he was a very hairy, bearded, Middle Eastern man with dark brown hair, brown eyes and dark skin. Some of the workers made the comment that doing this project, we met a new Jesus each month. Well, I believe this is a perfect example of why I've been doing this sermon series and asking the question, who is Jesus? Just like that old church building, I can't help but think at times this is what God wants to do in our hearts and in our minds and also in his church. Strip away the layers that have been put on Jesus throughout the centuries so we can see him as he really is. I'm not sure if you've ever read the book, What's So Amazing About Grace? Philip Yancey's opening comment was he believes one of the greatest sins of the church is they've changed the face of God and his son. I truly hope as we've gone through what I have over the past month, looking at Jesus firstly in the book of Ruth, and then we covered those wonderful I am statements made about himself. I hope I've helped you strip away some of the ideas. I hope I've helped you remove some of the different layers of how you see Jesus. Just like when each new layer of that church wall was revealed, I hope with each sermon you've seen Jesus differently. And just when you thought it may be over, it's not. Over the next four weeks, I'm continuing on this series. I'm going to be removing more layers I'm going to be looking at, once again, what does the Bible say who Jesus is? Do you know, I love this topic, and it's something that when I first joined college, our opening um, lecture or our opening, um, what do you call it? Tutorial? No. Subject that we had to do was for a year, and it was who was Jesus. That was the title of the subject, and it was a year-long subject, and it was great. And so that's why I love doing these kind of things. So how about we pray? Father God in heaven, I thank you for the fact that, as Richard said, we can come together today. Father, I thank you for who your son really is. I thank you for what your son has done, for what your son has been through, for what your son uh, means to us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to continue to strip away the layers, reveal your son to us more and more because that reveals you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you will be the one unveiling our eyes to what you want us to learn. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm sure you all heard of the, good, the saying, good things come in small packages. Not quite sure where it comes from or who started it, but it's definitely true. Over the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time looking at one very small package. One small verse written by the prophet Isaiah. And yes, in this case, good things do come in small packages. The book of Isaiah contains 66 chapters. The writings of Isaiah come from a dark time in Israel's history, a time when God wasn't being followed. So it is true Isaiah is filled with justice and judgment. But what is also true, some of the most vivid and awe-inspiring words of hope that have ever been produced are found in the pages of Isaiah. Isaiah was able to write about God's promises because he had his heart and mind fixed on the sovereignty of God rather than on the circumstances that was happening around the world in which he lived in. That's why even though these are hard, dark times for the people of Israel, throughout all 66 chapters of his writings, Isaiah is still able to bring forth a thread of hope, love, redemption, as well as the promise of peace and prosperity. The verse I'm looking at today over the next four weeks definitely falls into this category. It's a verse we all know and can probably quote off by heart. It's a verse that is often, if not always, quoted and preached on at this time of year. You've probably already guessed it, it is Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This passage could be called a birth announcement. Isaiah is declaring to the whole world and for all time that the Messiah was coming with awe and what he would be like. In fact, the verse is so real and touchable, it seems Isaiah saw the Lord as if he was already there standing next to him. Even amidst the darkness of uncertainty of the times, Isaiah writes a passage of hope. In a time where the focus of most people is despair, the focus of this verse is joy. That's why we celebrate Christmas on that dark and lonely night, God come down in the form of a man, in a form we could see, touch and hear. In this verse declares to us, God became real. The titles that Isaiah gives to us are wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. I think that anyone who knows Jesus as their Lord and saviour, anyone that has Jesus as Lord as their life would agree. Isaiah did an amazing job at capturing the heart and ministry of our Lord with these four titles. Over the next four weeks, I will look at each one of these four names given to our Lord by Isaiah in detail. Now, I can't say that this series you'll hear or learn anything new. In fact, over the next few weeks, you may be saying to yourself, yep, I've heard this all before. But my hope and prayer over the next week is this that you won't let the familiarity of God's love and grace spoil the encouragement he wants to give you. As you know, Jonathan is taking us through to Peter on our Thursday nights and Richard shared. I shared a verse with the team this morning and the verse came from chapter 2 where Peter said guys I know that you love the Lord, I know you've accepted the truth, I know you stand in the truth, and i know you live the truth but i'm never going to stop telling you about it i'm going to continue to tell you until the day i die why because it brings you encouragement and so today i hope regardless of how many times you hear it the message and encouragement of isaiah 9:6 is still as true today as it was back then what message No matter how dark our background may be in, no matter how dark our times we may be living in, no matter how much uncertainty there may be in our lives, God is light, God is joy, and God is the peace in any circumstances. I can't help but think this would be the exact reason and purpose Isaiah had for his people when he wrote those words. The first thing he says is his name is Is our wonderful counselor. I find it interesting that this is the first one. Why wasn't it Saviour? Why wasn't it Redeemer or Ruler or anything like that? Why did he say his name will be Wonderful Counselor? May I say up front that in some Bible translations there are two titles and they're separated with a comma Wonderful and Counselor. The translators believe that each title should be looked at separately. Some translations put both words together and come up with one title, Wonderful Counselor. It's important to know that in the original Hebrew, there were no punctuation marks at all. But what about the meaning of the word wonderful? Well, first of all, the word wonderful occurs 21 times in the Old Testament, that word, 21 times. Think about it, how thick is the Old Testament? I mean, it's a really thick book. It follows history of the people through thousands of years. It records the event that covers literally lives of millions of people. Yet the word wonderful is only mentioned 21 times in all those pages. It wasn't a word that was just thrown around or used willy-nilly. But here's the big thing. Every one of those 21 times the word is used, it refers to the work of God. Every one. I think it's important that we don't miss the awe that revolves around this word. And it is this, when something was wonderful, it only came from God. Never was the word used for any other purpose than the works of God. If we lose that wonder, if we lose that sense of awe for what God has done, I'm afraid that we'll run the risk of ending up exactly like Israel did, turning our backs and thinking there's got to be more to life than this. I do believe that Jesus is wonderful. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. He is the creator of the universe. His name is above every name. At his name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. I know that he is wonderful. But today I want to examine Jesus as our wonderful counsellor. In times of darkness and fear, people often search for a psychologist or a counsellor a person who will listen to their troubles, give them encouragement and advice on how to handle their personal problems. I don't know about you, but there are times I think I could use a counsellor, I could use a therapist in my life. Counselling today is at an all-time high in our society, whether from Dr Phil to Dr Chris Brown, from Oprah Winfrey to Wikipedia. People are seeking advice. People are asking questions and wanting help and wanting answers. There's certainly nothing wrong with seeking advice. And counselling, when you have a particular need in your life, is encouraged by the Bible. The Bible places a high premium on wise counsel. Wisdom and counsel are important. Proverbs says, Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those who understand receive guidance. For those of you who have been in my office, you'll know that I have the odd one or two books on the subject of counselling. When I went through college, I did my diploma in counselling, and I've got to be careful because I know we have some people in this room that have also studied counselling. But with all these books, and all of them, they have their opinions on what makes a wonderful counsellor, however, we must never lose sight of the fact that we as believers have access to the most wonderful counsellor imaginable, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Later in the book of Isaiah, we find he speaks of Jesus again and he says, For the spirit of Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord will all be in the name of Jesus. Then in the Psalms, we read, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. What makes Jesus a wonderful counsellor? I could list characteristics all morning, but let me give you three that we're going to look at today. And the first one is this, as our wonderful counsellor, he understands your struggles. Do you know one rule we're taught in counselling and all the books would agree, I don't know if it's still taught, but never ever say to a client, I understand how you feel because you don't. We don't. Everyone reacts to situations differently. I could have gone through the same situation as a client, but I still don't understand how they feel. But in Hebrews chapter 4, we find this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted every way we have just as we are, yet we are without sin. The high priest understands our weaknesses. This high priest of ours has faced all of the same testings and trials we have. Sometimes when we're going through difficult situation and someone says, I understand what you're going through, it may seem empty. You may think, no, you don't. Unless they've been through the same situation, how can they possibly understand your problems? But Jesus does. He says it. Jesus understands. He knows exactly what you are going through. When you come to him in time of need and time of counsel, he knows your situation way better than you do. He knows your heart and he knows your mind intimately. Because of this fact, listen to the very next verse of Hebrews chapter four. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We all have times of need in our lives. We all have times where we need help. We all have times when things get hard. In these times, we all have different things we can turn to for help. But there is only one true help, Jesus. There is only one who truly understands Jesus as our wonderful counsellor he gets us he understands us and he can relate to us think of this have you ever been betrayed by a friend he has have you ever been wrongly accused of doing something you didn't do he has have people ever gossiped about you they did with him Have you ever suffered physical pain? Have you ever been in a physical need? Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever suffered loss? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever felt that you've reached the bottom of the life and there's no way up? Jesus can tick all those boxes. Jesus knows what all of those things are like. He not only knows them, he's experienced every one of them. Jesus understands. John tells us that the word became flesh and made his home among us. Jesus was fully human like you and I. He knows how mean people can be because he lived it. He knows how rough life can be because he lived it. He understands your struggles because he had them himself. What does that say to us? Come to him. The writer of Hebrews says, come, draw near to him. Why? So you can receive the grace for your help in time of need. Jesus understands your struggles. The second thing is this. He cares for you. You know, for me, this is one of the biggest differences in what makes Jesus a wonderful counsellor. Again, what we're taught in the books and what what the books say is one of the most important things for a counsellor to do is this. Lose your heart. I remember our opening um, subject, um, our our psychologist who was teaching us said, if you are the kind of person that is really kind and caring and you have this really good heart for people, then get out now. Because they said, when you're in counselling, the important thing is to lose your heart. Why? Because you will work with people and they will still commit suicide. You will work with people and they still won't change. You'll work with families and they will still end up going their own way. And the point is this, you can't carry other people's baggage. Well, Jesus not only understands, he cares. He cares more than I ever did as a counsellor. In 1 Peter 5, 7, a verse we've all heard many times says what? Cast all, all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. I love the way the contemporary English version puts this verse. God cares for you so much, so turn all your worries over to him. Some counsellors only care and are happy for you to tell them your worries as long as you can pay the bill. Not Jesus. He cares about you as a person. He cares about your character. He cares about your spiritual growth and your emotional wealth. He cares about the pain that you suffer. Why is Jesus like this? Well, one of the greatest truths we can learn is this. Jesus considers you of value and of worth. Why? Because you belong to him and his Father. Let me remind you of Jesus' great words from Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more valuable to him than they are? Do you think you're worth more than birds that fly around to God? Well, the good news is it doesn't matter what you think. What's important is what does God think? And God not only thinks you're a worth more than birds that fly around, through Jesus, he tells you that you are. He cares for you. God thinks that you have value. He thinks that you have worth. He thinks that you are worth a lot. He thinks so much of you that he sent his son to die for you, to rescue you from pain and suffering that you may experience in this life. He did it to give you a new hope, a new life and salvation. He did it because he cares for you. He cares for you so much, he will help you with all your problems. He will help you deal with them. That's why he's called the wonderful counsellor. He's not going to leave us to fend for ourselves. You've probably heard it said, God helps those that help themselves. That's not true. The truth of the matter is when you reach the bottom, God helps those who can't help themselves. Why? Because he cares for you. I remember at youth group one time, we must have been bored and we were coming up with acronyms for our name, Christian acronyms. And I remember one of our youth kids came up with one for Garth and it was this, God always runs to help. It's something I've never forgotten. God always runs for help. He was right. When you see no way out, God steps in. God helps those who can't help themselves. Again, Jesus' very words in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he gives us a promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. He will not turn his back on us. He will not abandon us. Why? Because he cares for us. God cares for us. And the final thing is he commits himself to you. There are many skilled and trained counsellors that can help you with your finances, can help you with your marriages, can help you deal with guilt or mental illness. No matter what issue you need, um, there are people out there who are trained to help you. Counsellors who sincerely want to help you. They are genuine people. Chances are they're not committed to you though. If your marriage still breaks up or if you're still going through all this trouble, if you don't get over your guilt, that's okay. But Jesus is committed to you. He's not on an hourly rate. He's not there when to ring up and make an appointment. Jesus is committed to you. We covered this before. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them away from my father's hand you know when you commit yourself to God, he commits himself to you. When you give yourself to him, he promises to hold on to you. Twice in that statement. I always tell people, go and highlight it or underline the words from John chapter 10. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. Once we are in the hands of God, he's committed to us that much that he won't let anyone snatch us away. When God says no one, do you know who he means? No one. No one. No thing. God will not allow anyone or anything keep you away from his love. Why? Because he's committed himself to you. Jesus is the wonderful counsellor and he's committed himself to you by giving you eternal life. Jesus is the wonderful counsellor and he's committed himself to you by taking care of the thing that needed taking care of most your sin, the wrong that you did to separate yourself from God. The counsellors of this world can help you with your problems and they can change you on the outside, but Jesus is the one and only true counsellor who can change us on the inside and bring us back to God. Jesus, the wonderful counsellor, has the ability to help us deal with the root causes of our problems. Jesus is the only one who gives us the power to help us overcome sin. Jesus is the only one who gives us the wisdom to know how to deal with our sin when we fall prey to them. No counsellor can do that except for Jesus himself. Jesus understands our problems. He's sympathetic to our failures, but he's committed to us so much that he won't let us do what we can do and simply ignore the consequences. Do you know, in doing this, I was reminded, I went over some of my counselling notes in doing this, sermon. I was reminded of a story that I heard from a counselling class at college. The lecturer who was taking um, this course was a trained psychologist and he spent time working as the head psychologist in a rehabilitation hospital. He was the head counsellor there but he decided to take an early retirement and a career change for the purpose of spending the rest of his life preaching and teaching Christian counsellors in classes just like the one I was sitting in. The reason? Well, he told us. He said early in his career, he said there was a young man, a young boy, who was in a car. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He got thrown through a car window. His face was cut, all his ligaments were cut, and everything like that. Well, he arranged financial help and medical help for this boy. For years and years, it took surgeons a long time to restore his life. Skilled surgeons restore the child's facial expressions back to normal appearance. They got his arms and legs working again through many hours of surgery. Trained therapists like this this guy taught him and his um, parents how to deal with it. Then he, we had to learn to talk and walk again. By his teens, the boy was able to be a normal boy and take part in activities. And he said to us she would look at him and not know anything about his history. The retired counsellor asked us as a class, what do you think that young boy is doing today? One guessed that since the young man had overcome such physical deformities that maybe he debted himself to becoming a great athlete. Maybe doing the training he did that. Someone else thought since his life had changed by the medical doctors that he became a surgeon himself because he saw how much difference that would make. He said, no, none of these. The, required, the retired counsellor, our lecturer, said sadly that young boy is a prisoner. He is now in jail serving a life sentence for murder. We were able to restore his physical features, he said. We were able to help him to walk. We were able to help him act. But we failed to teach him how to act in his life. He said, I was successful in helping the boy physically, emotionally, but I failed to help him spiritually. From that day on, I determined to use the rest of my life to help people direct their steps and actions towards glorifying God. That's why he got out of what he was doing. You see, there are many good counsellors in this world, but none can compare with the wonderful counsellor. That's because when Jesus came, he came fully understanding the basic problem we all face. All have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. I've sinned. You've sinned. And we'll probably even continue sinning not very far once we leave this church. No matter how hard we might try to lock sin out of our lives, the only way we can do effectively with sin is to realise that God has given us a wonderful counsellor to go to with that great problem of sin's power and the guilt associated with it and he is committed to helping us. This wonderful counsellor not only knows our problem of sin, he's given us the process that we need to deal with our sin. The process, of course, of what we covered when we looked at the Good Shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. The process we need to do is to receive the wonderful help from the counsellor. Listen to him and follow his advice. So do you do it. Have you let Jesus be your wonderful counsellor? Have you asked for his guidance and his advice in your problems? We have a wonderful counsellor who understands us, cares for us and is committed to us. We have a wonderful counsellor who is compassionate to our weaknesses and able to gently deal with us. But we need to first listen to his advice. He wants to help take his help, and run with it. For to us, a child is born. As Christians, our Heavenly Father wants Jesus to be our wonderful counsellor. But in order for Jesus to be that kind of counsellor, he needs to be born in us, and we need to listen to him every day. Corey Ten Boone once said, If Jesus was born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. Or I've often said to people who've asked me about the birth of Jesus, I say it doesn't matter when Jesus was born. I say it doesn't matter where Jesus was born unless he's been born in you. Unless you let Jesus be Lord of your life, unless you become born again, then it's like his birth never happened at all. Let me give you a challenge this week. Make an appointment this week with the wonderful counsellor. Sit down with him. Open your heart to him. Tell him what's going on in your life. Believe me, there is no heartache that he cannot mend. There is no problem he cannot solve because he is our wonderful counsellor. May God bless you and keep you.